Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Whitmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. Many times in discussion with people that I have met about various issues, the question will come up, what's so wrong with it? We might be talking about abortion, drinking alcohol, the practice of homosexuality, gambling, or any one of a dozen of moral issues that our society is facing as individuals and as a whole. It seems that a vast majority of people today will not be satisfied with simply labeling these things as sin. To call something sin doesn't make a whole lot of difference today. It isn't as significant to most. People want to know why are these things wrong, and they want to know what is wrong with them, and they want to know how are these things bad, and they want to know, perhaps most importantly, who said so. Now, in one short talk, it's not possible to answer every question about what is right and what is wrong. We can't cover every aspect of sin, and yet the Bible does give us some very clear answers about the problem of engaging in or simply thinking that it is no big deal when sinful things happen. God's word is clear in describing the downward spiral that takes place in individuals' lives as well as in a society when moral issues are allowed and in some cases encouraged to go unchecked. Life itself points out how true these biblical principles are. What is so wrong with it? Several things are wrong about engaging in or letting questionable moral issues go unchallenged. Let's begin by saying that the kinds of things we're going to be discussing are sinful because God says that they are. Unfortunately, for most people, that is just not good enough. Such a simple statement as that is unacceptable. So let's consider some other aspects of sin that the Bible also reveals. What is so wrong with it? First, there is one constant truth about this type of ungodly activity. Unless repented of and reversed, it never gets better. It only gets worse. When an individual or society allows immoral behavior to become normal and acceptable, that person or society has moved even further toward more immoral behavior. In many certain countries that began by accepting the practice of abortion, euthanasia is now being practiced or seriously considered. While more and more people in authoritative positions in our country have called for the legalization of marijuana, having grown up with so many people who walk that path, it is most assuredly can and does break down a person's inhibitions concerning harder drugs. Just think of the drugs and their easy accessibility that are most popular today. Inappropriate flirting at work leads to adultery. 
No one becomes an alcoholic without taking the first drink. That is not to say that all who take that first drink, a sinful action, will end up addicted, but I have never met an alcoholic who did not take that first drink. No one makes that first experiment with illegal drugs or takes prescription drugs inappropriately, thinking that they are going to become addicted and then finding themselves engaging in all sorts of sinful activities in an attempt to feed that ungodly habit. But my friends, one sinful activity is entered into and accepted. It just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. This is a principle that Paul knew well. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13 he wrote, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Sin just gets worse, not better. Way back in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, when King David got up from his couch and wandered out on the roof, he wasn't planning on sinning, but he began by gazing lustfully at the bathing Bathsheba. Inadvertently, seeing her was not wrong, but instead of averting his eyes, he continued looking. Being in the position of king as he was, he could pretty much get away with whatever he wanted. So his sinful gazing led to adultery, to lying, to an attempt to get someone drunk, and to ultimately bringing about the death of a completely innocent and noble man. I don't believe he planned it that way, but once he started down that path, it just kept getting worse and worse. I think about Peter in Mark chapter 14, verses 29-31. Do you remember what happened? There we find... But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. When Peter followed into the courtyard of the palace of the high priest, Do you think he planned to do what he did? He started by simply denying, then a little more emphatically. Finally, in Mark 14, verse 71, we find stated about Peter, but he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. It just got worse and worse. A person can deceive himself into thinking that his sin is right. But I will tell you that society pays for that attitude with more corrupt standards, a cheapened view of human life, and homes that are ruined and destroyed. What is wrong with allowing sinful things to happen? They will only get worse if not repented of. Secondly, there is something else that the Bible teaches unrepented of sinful behavior will do. It will absolutely ruin a person. I've talked to people in my life, and there seems to be a constant, no matter what walk of life they are in or even if they are religious or non-religious. People have a certain innate sense of what is right and what is wrong. I happen to believe that that sense comes from the fact that all of us are created in the image of God. That sense can cause people to carry an enormous amount of guilt around with them and the guilt causes tremendous problems. Talk to psychiatrists about the devastating effects of guilt. A man who has cheated feels terrible, but cannot believe that God would forgive him or that his wife could or would take him back. So he gives up and lives in sin. 
An alcoholic is ashamed of her or his addiction, but rather than admitting what they are steeped in is sin, they keep drinking to dull the pain and relieve the guilt instead of repenting. This pattern is so common in people's lives that there is a good and simple answer to the question, what is so wrong with it? It will ruin a life and make the person miserable. Consider Proverbs chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Solomon wrote, His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. The wise man Solomon understood this process completely. In fact, later on it was played out in his life. What sin does is ruin a life. If a woman has an abortion, she is the one who is going to spend her life with that guilt. She is the one to carry the guilt of the murder she has committed and the illicit sexual activity that brought it about. People, if they refuse to repent, must live with the consequences and their conscience if they cheat or lie. If people are determined to move toward looser moral boundaries, they can do so, but it is their lives that they are ruining. Guilt will follow people around until they confront their sins and make them right. Let me give you something else the Bible says that sin will do, something else that it tells us what is so wrong with it. We live in a country where we always talk about our freedoms. These freedoms that were envisioned by the writers of our constitutions have now become expanded by ungodly people to become a license to sin. Because I am free, I can see all the pornography I want. Because I am free, I can engage in any perverted lifestyle I want and not have to accept that it is sin, certainly not saying anything against it. What people do not realize is that they become slaves to their supposed freedoms. Never before in man's history have we faced so many addictions that are labeled diseases, and maybe they really do reach that point. But there are alcohol addicts, drug addicts, sex addicts, pornography addicts, and so on. Rehab houses are doing a bang-up business. There seems to be an addiction label for just about every sinful behavior that man gets involved in. But in truth, all these addiction labels are just saying something that God has said all along. When a person chooses to live in sin, they are choosing to become enslaved to it. Sin will take over a person's life. Sin is addictive and enslaves. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6 and verse 16, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? The Bible is clear. When we choose to sin, we choose to become slaves. Slaves to sin and to think that people run around thinking that that is freedom. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, we find, For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that are clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought in bondage. Peter knew the process. People claim insight and sophistication and offer folks freedom 
to live as they want. Doesn't that sound like so many today, including the leaders of our country? But in choosing to be free of God's rules that prohibit certain behavior, they become slaves to the things that they wanted to do in the first place in the name of freedom. What is so wrong with sin? It leads to slavery and addiction among countless millions. Again, what is so wrong with it? Sin has lasting consequences. In life, there are no actions that do not influence or impact others. Whatever I choose to do, someone must live with it, whether I do good or evil. Sin can ruin my life if I choose to, re- rep- to refuse to repent, and I can choose to live with that. Sin will make a slave out of me and can choose to accept its bondage in exchange for its pleasures. But my sin can and often will hurt other people and not just me. When adultery occurs, it's not just the participants who suffer. Spouses, children, churches, and sometimes whole communities must adjust to the deceit and betrayal. When a person decides to give in to alcohol and become addicted, he or she can go off to live out his or her miserable existence. But somewhere there will be a wife, a husband, parents of children, friends and co-workers who are grieving the loss of a loved one or friend. I'd like to look at Exodus chapter 34 verses 6 through 7. It tells us, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generations. What does that mean? Well, from ancient times, God has willingly forgiven sinners. But when people choose to stay in their sins, God leaves them to the consequences of those sins. Many times consequences fall on the later generations that follow. These are people who may have played no part in the sin itself, but must live with the consequences. When we choose to follow our own path, we can be assured that others will suffer if the pathway of chosen is the pathway of sin. Finally, what is so wrong with it? In a very real sense, if we choose to sin, we are choosing to crucify the Lord. Many individuals want Jesus to be their Savior, but not their Lord. They want him to forgive their sins, but they do not want to surrender their lives to his will. But we need to know that if we choose to sin, we are choosing to reject the Lord and crucify him all over again. I think of Isaiah chapter 53 verses 1 through 6, beautiful but disturbing. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. 
the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus takes the guilt of our sins so that we can avoid the consequences. He accepted upon himself the wickedness we engage in and have engaged in, so that they could be free from sin. He gives us a chance to reclaim ruined lives, but we must all realize that what is so wrong with it is that it was our sins that caused Jesus to have to die if we're going to have a chance to be saved. However, just as a person surrenders to sin, they're going to have to surrender to the Lord. We were in Romans 6 a moment ago, looking at verses 3 through 4, we find, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried together with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. If you are not a Christian, you can be freed from sin. You can reclaim a ruined life. You can make the proper choices and avoid the slavery of sin. Realize that there is only one true freedom, and that freedom is found in Christ Jesus. And we get into Christ Jesus by believing with all of our heart that Jesus is the Son of God, by repenting of our sins, by confessing that faith that we do believe Jesus is the Christ, and by being baptized for the remission of our sins according to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Consider carefully those things and put them to practice in your lives. Thanks for listening.